What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yassin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right, welcome back to episode 15, Big One Five. I uh, can't believe we're here, but I am pumped we're here. And for those of you who have listened to all 15 episodes, thank you. And uh, I think we got a good one here today. So, so today's guest, he's a fitness professional who has worked with hundreds of clients for over a decade, seeing the need to bridge physical fitness, proper nutrition, And as a result, he has created the D.C. area's favorite meal prep company, Mighty Meals, founded in 2015 by two fitness professionals and one classically trained chef. Mighty Meals is now serving well over 10,000 meals weekly in the DMV right to your door. How was that, Dan? It's great. Love it. Please welcome Dan Graziano. Dan, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited uh, to talk to you, pick your brain. I think uh, anytime I get another entrepreneur on here, which it seems like everybody in the fitness world is these days, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's always pretty exciting. And I, I love the concept of these meal prep companies and how they're, I feel like they're slowly but surely taking over the world. Oh, yeah. They're definitely a hot market. That's for sure. <laughs> so now you've been at it for, so you've been working with, or you founded Mighty Meals five years ago, 2015, right? Actually, Labor Day was like our uh, launch. So we're coming right up on it right now. Oh, man. What are the, what are the five-year celebrations going to look like here? I don't know. We blew it up for the second year. It was really good. But uh, <laughs> we got took a break on the uh, third year anniversary. And then uh, five, I don't know, man. It's weird times right now. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Okay, guys, like after the second year, we don't need to celebrate any more anniversaries. That's it. No, it's more like get your nose to the grindstone. Let's let's grow this thing big time now. That's true. That's true. Uh, What what do you attribute the the growth over the last five years of being able to now deliver, you know, over 100,000 meals a week or 10,000 meals a week? If it was 100,000, I'd be like Bezos. But um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Um, honestly, it's it's the team around me. Um, Like I said, I was... um, I got two other main partners that we started with, um, Alex Lebanet, Stefano Marzano. Uh, Stefano's the chef, and Alex was a, a coworker of mine at uh, Gold's Gym okay. uh, in Fairfax Station. That's kind of how we all met. And uh, Steph, Stefano's mom used to actually get training from Alex, and that's how we kind of all met. That's funny. So was Stefano introduced to you guys through – uh, his mom? Is that how it is? That, well, he used is that to work out at the gym too. Oh, he worked at the gym too. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. He used to work out there, but we didn't really know each other until that relationship between Alex and, and uh, uh, Stefano's mother uh, were training. And then we were like, oh, like that's Stefano over there. What's he do? What's his deal? He was a young kid at the time. He's 20 years old at the time. So, oh man. Yeah, he's a young buck in the gym. So, <laughs> and Alex and I are both like 30. So. <laughs> and then, and then how, how did it progress from there once you guys were introduced? You guys like try his food and then you're like, oh shit, this is the guy. <laughs> Actually, it kind of started by accident. Um, I will, I will, obviously being a trainer, um, training, you know, eight to 10 clients a day. You don't really have much time on your hands to go grab something to eat or cook anything. So I would just plan ahead, prep my meals uh, for the day, 
Um, wolf them down at room temperature because who has time for a microwave? We got the next one waiting for you, next client. Um, or a fridge. What's that? Or a fridge either. No, no fridge. Oh, yeah, microwave. It could be, you know, nine times out of ten, it's, it's refrigeration cold temperature. So. <laughs> but it didn't matter. You know, you're eating for fuel at that point. Right. Um, and then, you know, a client kind of made a smart-ass comment to me. It was like, oh, like, must be nice to have meals already for you, blah, 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 all this. And then my, my lovely manager, Vicky, shout-outs to her. She's awesome. She's like, well, how about I'm a new mother? Like, you know, you should cook for me. You know, I give you all these clients and blah, 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 all this. I'm like, whoa, easy. All right. So I'm like, you want me to cook for you? I will. Bring some, like, you know, Tupperware, Gladware containers, and I'll, uh, I'll put all your food in there. And hey, let's call it 10 bucks a meal. All right. So that's kind of how it, that was like my first business right there. It was like, wow, I was training. And then, you know, I had a couple other clients and, you know, other uh, team members that would, you know, want meals. So at one point I was, you know, I started making a couple hundred dollars a month on it. I'm like, there's gotta be a business in this somewhere. So I just did a little, little research. So oh, there's some other places around the country. There's, there's a couple um, in the DC area. So I just did some research, put this thing together, this idea, I wasn't even putting it together yet. And uh, I knew Stefano was, he, he was in the restaurant business. He was a chef. Um, uh -huh. His family has always uh, been in the restaurant business. His grandfather owned an uh, a, a Italian restaurant in D.C. Um, his parents own Osteria Marzano in uh, Alexandria, Kingstown area. And mm -hmm. he does that along with his uh, – his father runs that with his sister. So uh -huh. – and that's actually coincidentally where we, uh, we were allowed to cook there on off hours. That's how we kind of got started into, like, the actual official business. Oh, wow. So now, so now, so now, did you, did you, did you always cook out of necessity for yourself? Did you enjoy cooking? How did you like, you know, obviously you're getting paid to do it by by your clients, but was it something you always like to do for yourself? I mean, my, my family loves to cook. I mean, we're Italian, so there you go. Last name's Graziano, so I mean, you know, hey, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta know how to cook. You're doing your name uh, damage. You know? <laughs> I think I'm I'm from the uh, the Italian side that uh, like doesn't know how to cook. I know how to eat. I, I never even heard of that side. <laughs> know how to know how to eat, but the uh, the cooking is something that unfortunately I did not uh, I did not learn. But um, so now, did you? So you cooked your whole life growing up, and then obviously when you're a trainer on the go, you just kind of like adapt it, right? And just like like yeah, I mean it, I it, it literally just came out throwing like chicken breast or steak in a container with like some sweet potatoes or brown rice. No, that, that's that's what you live off of, um, basically as a trainer. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. So, so then at what point did you start worrying about how good it tasted? I mean, I thought it always tasted good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's where you, that's why you have a chef. You know what I mean? You can't mm -hmm. have a business based around food. And if, if the, the culinary expertise starts and stops with me, that's probably not a recipe for, uh, no pun intended, uh, success in the long term. No, no matter how Italian you are. No, no, no there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> so now, how did, you, uh, how did you first get into the fitness business? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I, 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 I was one of those people that really had a hard time finding their path. Yeah. So, you know, I went to college for three and a half years, dropped out. Just, I, did, I was bored. I didn't like it. Uh, thought it was a waste of time for me based on what I wanted to do, which I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So there was always that. What uh, was it that you wanted to do? Or you thought well, you I wanted to know. Like, oh, I, okay. I, you think you want to do one thing, you try it, and you're like, eh, I'm still kind of like, if this is like my existence, there's yeah. got to be something better. 
something I'm like actually passionate about that I care about, you know? Right. And everything I was like looking, I'm like, eh, that's, it's cool. But like, I can't do this for my life. This is not like possible. I couldn't right. do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was always passionate about the gym. I mean, I, I worked out probably since I was like 10 or 12 years old, like on the, some, you know, some gym, gym equipment at the house that my dad had or something like that. And then, you know, joining a gym probably like eighth or ninth grade, um, just hung out with like meatheads and stuff that are older than me that are strong. I was like, oh, be that big, you know, you know typical like teenage stuff. You know, get, get trying to like, you know, be the big guy at the gym. Right. So, you know, I was always passionate about that. I always read articles on it. It was like, you know, the few times I actually like enjoy reading was like about health and fitness and stuff like that. It always interested me. Um, so I, I went with that. I ran with that from uh, when I was like 20, 2021. 20, I yeah. uh, got certified and uh, I started uh, working as a personal trainer. And I, and I enjoyed it. I really liked it. You know, it's long hours and stuff and it's, you know, you're on your feet a lot. Um, but I, I liked it. I'm, I'm a social person. So I like having like the interaction and uh, socializing um, with my clients. Um, it, you're at a really good advantage as a uh, personal trainer, I think, especially in this area, because, you know, the, the, the wealth of people around here is so high. You, you come across a lot of people with uh, very interesting jobs. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of business owners, um, a lot of like high executives and stuff like that. So, you know, you would always learn from them and they'd always want to see you do, do well for yourself. And, um, you know, you pick up little tidbits over the year and I guess, I guess all that kind of stuff that, that building those relationships over the years, um, and picking up on these little things that you hear and, um, from, from clients that are successful, um, they kind of stick in the back of your head. And then, you know, at some point these things come out when you cross these paths or, you know, those conversations somehow, you know, eight years right. later or something, you know, they, they, they come into play and it's very helpful. Now, did you grow up in, in this area here? I did. Yes. Okay. You up in Northern Virginia. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and what, what effect did that or what impact did that have on, you know, when you made that transition into becoming a personal trainer and then, you know, five years down the road when you started Mighty Mills? <sighs> um, that I, I think I think maybe I don't know if I'm answering your question the right way, but I think it just gave me a good base and knowledge of this area and the demographics right. and the mentality of people in this area and um, establishing those relationships and like using your network. You know, um, yeah. you know, if I, if I train one person and I have an idea and I say something and they might want to help me out, and say, hey, you know, I, I got this guy that I uh, I know, you know, he might be able to help you or see you in the right direction. Why don't you reach out to him? So I think. Um, that probably helped the most was like the relationships I already had in this area that were right. concrete. Um, I knew the area very well. Obviously I've, I was, I was born and raised here since like forever. So I've seen how far this area has grown in the direction it has grown over the years as well. Oh yeah. It's been a uh, total 180. I'm sure when you were a kid coming into DC was uh, much different than it is today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, did you ever leave the area and come back or are you always just right here in the DMV? Well, when I dropped out of college, my uh, buddy, he was already graduated. He was a little bit older than me. Um, he wanted to get out of, uh, we went to WVU and he was like, I need to get out of here. All I'm going to do is bartending. I have a master's degree. What's my deal? And uh, I was like, dude, I have, I have nothing going right now. Like I need to change. Um, let's just go move somewhere and like be roomies and figure out uh, this life thing. So we uh, went to go visit one of his buddies down in uh, St. Pete and we were checking out the Tampa area. And so that's a hell of a place to do that. 
Yeah. Well, I was like, you know, at that point, I was kind of like, anything works besides here and now. So let's right. just, like, I was like, wherever you want to go, dude. So he had a buddy down there. He was a, an educator and uh, it was easy for me to get a job. So I was like, dude, I'll, I'll, let's do it, man. So, you know, a couple months later, we, we packed up, moved to Tampa, and uh, that happened to be the same year as the uh, recession. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that made things difficult. And that's when I actually transitioned. That's when I was like, you know what? Everything I'm doing is not working. I needed to pick a career, not just a job. And um, I decided to get certified. And when I moved back, I applied at, you know, every gym I could. Um, I, I met a, uh, um, a, the, the fitness manager over at Gold's Gym um, off Glebe. Um, I, one of my good friends now still, uh, Jeremy Rucker. He's an amazing guy. Had, you know, he believed in me as a new trainer. Um, we connected really well. I learned a lot from him. He's a really good uh, mentor. And, uh, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I got started. And before you know it, like three months later, I was managing another gym um, in Annandale. So, like, I, pro I progressed through that and moved up pretty quick. Um, and then I had a little hiatus from the area again. Uh, I had an opportunity to move out west, so I, uh, I moved to Scottsdale. I was there for about two years. Oh, I love Scottsdale. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I, I got to get back someday. I, was, I know. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the waste management open this year and I was like, I, hadn't oh, it's been, been I went in February, right? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. been there in five years and I was like, oh, I forgot how great this place is. Amazing. Amazing views, everything. It's, it's great. Um, and then I moved back here and I, I picked up right back where I left off uh, pretty much um, as a trainer. And uh, the surprising thing was after two years, how many people of my old clientele wanted to train with me again? As soon as they heard I was back, they were like, Oh, like when can you start training? Like the, Oh man, like, that's awesome. So I, up, I actually had like, you know, probably 50, 60% of my old clientele pick right back up with me, which is a blessing, you know, like coming back, you, no job, you know, you start making money out the gate. So what do you attribute that to? Uh, probably, again, just building relationships yeah. and taking the time to listen and, and, and care. And, uh, you know, under the, you know, even though you see someone, you know, two, three hours a week, you're still building, um, that rapport and you're building a relationship. Um, and, and people still follow up. I get, you know, I get texts, you know, once in a while or, you know, a DM. Oh, it's great to see how far you've come. Or I remember when you used to train me like, you know, six right. years ago, seven years ago, whatever. And it's just really cool to see how, you know, how you progress. And they just like, you know, wish me well. And I think that's, uh, you know, it always feels good when people have seen you from like one profession and then, you know, kind of take that risk to do something completely different. And then in a relatively short time, I, I think, you know, turn around to something uh, that's on its way to being very successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, you know, definitely, you know, I think especially if you, you know, treat people the way, you know, they should be treated. I think that's, that's usually the outcome. You know, if you, you know, take care of them and take, I think the important thing you said is like taking that time to listen to people, you know, right. and, and, you know, whether it's, you know, whether they had a shitty day at work or what they're going through in life or just whatever their fitness goal is. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's the, the big thing is like taking time to understand what they want and not just be like, here, do uh, five sets of five on the squat rack here. Exactly. And, and I think that that is what uh, ultimately leads to those kind of like long-term relationships where they can be like, I remember when. <laughs> exactly. You know, especially when you're talking about like a, a service industry type job, like being a trainer, Big time. Um, you know, these people do not have, like they have disposable income. They don't have to spend it with you. you right. Know? And they're paying a, a good amount of money to get something out of it um, and have, you know, sometimes very specific goals. And if you listen and just work on those things, 
Um, it's, it's pretty amazing to see like someone might just have a very simple need and they'll still pay you every week just to fix that one thing. And it makes them feel good. And, uh, you know, that you, you gotta give them what they want. Yeah. I mean, people have goals and you know, if it doesn't ultimately, it really doesn't matter what your background is, what your certification is. If you can help them, then like they're going to, they're going to pay you. They're going to, you know, support you. They're going to be there you know, with you for the long run. That's what it comes down to. It's like, if they have X problem, do you have X solution? And if you can do that, then you are golden. <laughs> it also helps too, when you, especially if you work on like a one-on-one -on -one type thing, you know, people are coming to you. So, you know, they believe in what you have and you got to remember when people come to you, you're their expert. So yep. whether you're not an expert in your field or not, you are their expert. So they, they are willing to listen. And uh, if you, you know, listen to what they have to say in return and then, you know, follow up with action and get them to where they want to be. I mean, it's just uh, it's a no brainer for that retention uh, um, business. Oh yeah. I mean, I think being, yeah, being their expert and you know, they're coming to you, they're seeking you out. And, and it's one of those things where things that you might think are common sense mm -hmm. are not common sense to the average person. Right. That's one thing I'm like going through right now as we uh, are bringing on a new uh, PT here and I'm talking about, you know, whether it's content for social media or going over things with new clients and like those things that you think are, you know, routine or, or common sense are not common sense. <laughs> so uh, I forget that sometimes. That's actually, a, that's probably like a little flaw of mine to be honest is I, I sometimes come off as a matter of fact and like maybe you should have already known that. So I, I gotta, I gotta constantly remind myself, especially when I meet somebody new, um, even in this conversation, I, I gotta break it down because not everybody knows, you know, my story or my background or I can't assume anybody knows anything. And that goes the same for, for business as well. I mean, you just cannot assume certain things. You gotta pretend like we're starting from, you know, zero. Yeah, I think it is. You just don't know, you know, like you said, you, common, it goes like the, the common sense isn't so common either. So it's like, right. It's like, know, it's part of, part of it's also like setting expectations so that when people show up to a session with you, they know exactly what they're going to get versus like, well, I thought we were going to go over this. And then you're like, well, I assumed you knew that we weren't. And then like all of a sudden you become the, uh, the asshole. Yeah. And they start losing trust in you as well. Which exactly. Is, like, exactly. If you don't set those expectations, so they know like where to go, what to wear, what we're doing, you know, if you don't set those expectations, then people will then just kind of fall off the bandwagon. And then, yeah. you know, it might not necessarily, might not necessarily be so obvious, it might just be like they cancel and they don't reschedule or whatever it might be. But, mm -hmm. you know, making sure, you know, you set expectations and you're also meeting their expectations too. I think it's a, a mutual understanding of like, where are you coming from? Where am I coming from? And that's, I think, what creates that successful client, uh, trainer, client, physical therapist you know, or really whatever relationship is, you know, I think any relationship in the world, like talk about like with your significant other and it's like, are you guys setting expectations for each other or, mm -hmm. or me meeting each other's expectations? And right. I think that's, uh, I feel like it's a good life lesson. Yeah. It was like, you get, you establish an expectation, but you also have to agree on that expectation to make sure you guys are on the same page. Exactly. The second step that, you know, a lot of times it's easy to forget, you know, no matter who you are, like, you know, yes, we have an expectation. Well, you might have an expectation, but there might be something different. So you gotta, you gotta ask, you gotta talk, you gotta follow up, say, Hey, is this, is this all clear? Like, did I miss anything? Or are you, are you comfortable with this? Um, and I think that's where, you know, that, that communication is important. And it's something I think I'm, I mean, I have to work on constantly. It's, it's, it's difficult at times, you know, especially when you're moving quick 
or, you know, I'm a, fa- I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast like thinker. So Same. you know, a lot of things go on in my head and getting those words out, it's, <laughs> it can be difficult at times. Yeah. It's like trying to like slow down and get everything out so that you're like, is this clear? <laughs> right. 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 Um, so now, at, so at what point then into your training career did Mighty Meals start? Uh, it started 2015. Um, right in the summer we did kind of like a, uh, I'll call it like a soft open. <laughs> we had like, we legit, this is like really bad. It's when I first, I kind of started talking to Stefano. We used to meet at the Starbucks down the street, like around like my lunch break hour. You know, I looked at the gap, the trainer gap from like 12 to three, 12 right. to three. Midday. Out, do peak. what you want to do. And you're, you're back to your four thirty, five o'clock. And, you know, Midday so. off peak. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we would spend um, a good time over at Starbucks just doing like menu planning, idea planning, um, and it really started. It really started with just me and Stefano at first. Alex mm-hmm. came on about a month or two later um, because he'd always have ideas and suggestions. And I'm like, dude, why don't you just like be part of the team? I can't pay you, but I can give you equity. And uh, here we are. You know, he, he was dumb enough to take that off. <laughs> so he actually went along with that. Oh man! And then, and then, so then, how does it grow? Where does it go from there? Um, it started just word of mouth. Uh, yeah. My client base. Um, Stefano had a different. Uh, network because he was 10 years younger than us and so he was able to tap into different uh, networks and, uh, and such that um, Alex and I wouldn't be able to because we were you know we're 30 we don't hang out in the same same crowds and but all those people know other people whether it's like an older sibling or their parents like there there's there's so many ways to connect with different people in this area um, so we started off kind of like that word-of-mouth thing and then um, after that, we, uh, we started running some ads. I, I, I had to become like a digital marketer for a short period of time. Oh man, maybe you can teach me some things. Cause I, I can't am- do it anymore, but I got a guy, our CTO now he's great. Shout outs to Meezy an honest, uh, marketing company there. All right, um, yeah. Always shameless plugs in here. Um, Love it. yeah. Um, he, he's great. He's actually a partner. He, he, he bought in and invested in, in our company. So we have him vested in it. So he does all the digital ads. So that's kind of how we, started growing significantly the last uh, two and a half, three years, I think he's been with us. Oh, that's awesome. um, and then I had a friend of mine for years, uh, uh, Tiffany, she, she did all our, she does all our branding, our marketing, like our, our marketing, uh, messaging, positioning, all that stuff, writes our blogs. Um, she takes care of a lot of the, the partnerships. Um, she gets them from, you know, if I introduce her to somebody, she, her and Meezy work very well together in getting out, you know, adware, blogs, content, uh, social media, all that kind of stuff. And that's when we really started to grow more. Uh, once we knew like, we had something that could be successful, that's when we started looking, we had to start more defining our roles in the business. And I was just wearing way too many hats at yep. the time. And then that's when you start saying, all right, well, this person can do a better job than me. Let's pay this person to do that. So, it, you know, you got to start finding people that are experts in their field. And that are passionate about the company as well. They got to know your business. They can't just, you know, we never went with a, like a marketing, um, like a big marketing conglomerate or whatever you want to call it. Like these big studios um, that you know, charge you an arm and a leg for, uh, from, for ads. So simple things as ads. Um, yeah. So when you have, and they don't know your business, they don't care. You're just, you're just a number to them. You're just like, Hey, did you pay your bill this month? That's it. So you got to have someone that's passionate about what you're, what you're doing, what services and goods that you're providing people. And we found that. And, right. it, and all you need to know is that they see the same vision and same growth potential 
as us because they put their money where their mouth is and invested in our company as well. So, you know, you can't ask for anything. Like I said, the team around me is incredible. So we have, we have Tiffany and Meezy. I got obviously Alex and Stefano that do a great job. And then we also have um, a, a great executive chef, uh, Pablo. He runs the key, basically just runs the kitchen, does the hiring, the firing. He, does, he gets everything, you know, organized in the kitchen. He's Stefano's right-hand man. So all these pieces, we have like great managers. We have overnight managers. We have cold room managers. We have hot food managers. Like uh, we have an awesome GM. Actually, Alex's sister's our GM. She takes care of all customer service. She helps out. She does a, she's a jack of all trades. She's doing everything. It's like a Swiss army knife. So um, she's great as well. So we have like a lot of people in place that uh, allow us to be successful and to keep growing. Oh man, I love, I love that. that. That right there gets me fired up. I mean, I, I, to hear, hear you talk about it so passionately like that, I love that. The, the, the benefits of having the team and like having everyone bought in on the team mm-hmm. and, and creating that like spirit of, like, uh, of, of being a team, you know, and, and people who believe in the idea of the business, I think is super, you know, super important to, you know, overall success. Because if, if people aren't bought in, people aren't invested or, well, not necessarily financially, but, you know, just Maybe they're both though. They put their money yeah. where their mouth was. You know, they're passionate about it. And they're like, I want to be part of this. And I was like, damn, you can't you can't beat that. Yeah, and it's funny how you know you go from being trainer with the meal prep on the side to all of a sudden, then it goes the meal prep is the number one thing, and then it's like trainer on the side. How did you how did you pull yourself out of the business or out of mm-hmm. the the training side of things? Um, it was it was a, a financial decision, honestly. Um, yeah. The three of us, you know, Stefano, Alex, and I, you know, another meeting at Starbucks. Um, we we are we're all doing other things. Alex was a uh, part time bartending, part time training. Uh, Stefano was working at his dad's restaurant. I think he was actually um, doing some kind of internship at some Michelin rated restaurant in DC at the time. So we 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 had a very honest and open conversation about, hey, what are your bills per month? How, how much do you need to make? What's the minimum you need to make to quit everything else and go full board into this? And uh, when we each hit our numbers, we quit our jobs as we promised. Um, and it ha- that happened to be like the time we were actually able to start paying ourselves a little bit. And it, was, uh, it wasn't very impressive. I mean, I used to live in Clarendon at the time when I started this company. And, you know, in eight months, I had to leave because I wasn't getting paid enough. I wasn't, you know, I just took that risk and said, you know what? I got to put the fun life away for now. I did, I, I've been burning the candle both ends for uh, how many years now? It's it's time to be an adult and see if you can. There's only so many times you go to a town before you're like, all right, enough of this. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times you? I mean, you may have experience. You go to a happy hour, next thing you know, it's like shit. It's 11:30 on a Wednesday. Like, I got to get home. I got to be up at 5:30. So it's uh, <laughs> it's brutal. But you know, we 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 had to come up with it. We had to have that discussion financially. I mean, at some point it does come down to finances. Oh, the bare minimum you need to live. Like what are your bills total? And like, it was different for all of us. Um, so I moved out of, the, of, of Clarendon and actually moved in with an old client of mine. Like, you know, she, she's like, Oh, the basement's open. She had like a, a nice finished basement, bedroom, bathroom, all that stuff. I was like, well, I'll take that. So I lived there for $500 a month for wow. about a year and a half. And I needed to, because if that wasn't the case, uh, I don't know where I would have gone. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then, and then, so you, you, and then at that point you jumped in your, your full time, full bore. And then how do you start prioritizing where you fit into the business and how everyone else fits into the business? That was hard. That took many years to figure out. Um, that, that took until probably year two. 
going on to year three that we actually had like defined roles on the team. Yeah. Um, Cause it was just hard. Like things were moving so fast. I mean, we, 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 we grow every year between 60 to a hundred percent of the prior year, like year, right. year, year over year. So um, when things are moving that quick and you, you know, you're not getting paid what you should for the amount of work and hours you put in and stress, um, you, you know, you, you kind of got to take that consideration as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's especially like in the early goings, it's like, you want to do everything. It's like, I'm going to yeah. do everything. You're going to do everything. He's going to do everything. And then like, next thing you know, it's like three, three chickens running around with their, with their heads cut off. Yeah. Well, what, our, our first, we had our, our very first investor. Um, he runs a, a successful uh, chain of like uh, training studio gyms, uh, Foundation Fitness and uh, Lance and Patrick. They, yeah. they came in and they saw it early. They got in super early with us. And we were just doing like a million dollars a year in revenues and we were super small and uh, they, they saw the, the possibilities. They, they believed in, you know, us as uh, people and as workers and um, they, they saw the vision like we did and um, they were able to take what they've done for the last seven or eight years. I believe they were running these, they're running these gyms, um, have the right systems in place. Um, so we would have meetings at, you know, the WeWork in Tyson's where I used to do all my work at we would go to conference room once a month and sit down and do this. And the whole team would come and we would uh, go over different, everyone's like responsibilities. Like, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? What if this, then who helps you with that? Um, just, just getting organized is <laughs> more difficult than I thought. It takes a lot of, it actually takes a lot of work to even like write down your responsibilities. Just, there's so many moving parts in this operation. And, and I think people don't realize that and that's fine. But yeah. uh, it's when you're talking with food, and deadlines and freshness and spoilage there is no room for error you have very little room to to screw this up um so it's a oh, yeah. super high stress high, uh time priority thing um so you just do whatever it takes to get the job done if it's not your job you just do it like i was in the kitchen cutting my fingers up for for you know two years but you know just because you're not the best at it doesn't mean it's not needed you just got to do what you got to do right so it sucks, but I mean, at the end of the day, at least I can say I've done your job before, you know, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's one thing for me is like, is at one point, like, you know, you're, for me, it was like, I'm treating people from like, you know, six in the morning to like eight at night. Mm-hmm. And I'm answering every phone call, sending every email. And I'm like, I just can't do all this <laughs> anymore. And that was mm-hmm. when I like, you know, just started bringing people on. And then that point, then I was like, all right, well, what do I want them to do? And uh, if you're, re- have you ever read the book, uh, Traction? No, no. Gino, uh, Gino Wickman. He's got this like thing. Uh, it's called delegate and elevate, and so it basically allows you to like figure figure out the things that you like to do and should do, the things you like to do but don't need to do, things you don't like to do need to do, and the things you don't like to do uh, and don't need to do. And and this way you can break it down into like the tasks that like you know you should be doing. Or, or, you know, are going to be yours. And then the tasks that like you'll give to other people, you know, within the organization. Mm-hmm. And I found that was like a good way for me to be like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then <laughs> you do this and then you do this. Right. Right. And that way there's like, just like less, uh, I guess of a misunderstanding into like what to do. Move the district is sponsored by big league performance and rehab at big league performance and rehab. We help active adults stay that way pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. 
When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. Well, having good systems in place is, is priceless yeah. um, when you're talking about scaling. Um, and it's something that's it's, um, it's dynamic. It's never the same. You have to, depending on how fast you grow, you got to constantly reassess. I mean, it came to a point we didn't have that. Once we figured, once we had a couple of meetings and figured out everyone's roles um, and ran through those for, you know, about three or four months, looking back, you're like, wow, we should have redone that like at that three or four month mark, not waited another six months to, to redo this. Um, <laughs> so I think it's, it's something important too, like how you're, how you're scaling your business. <clears throat> it's just very dynamic. There's a lot of moving parts always. And if you're growing, it's going to be dynamic. If it's static, that's when you're going to be worried, I think too. So if right. you're staying static for too long, like either <laughs> the business is like surpassing, um, what you're, what, uh, the, the output of what you're doing in your job and you're, you're missing something um, or the business just isn't successful. So you always want to have to like reassess. You want it more dynamic. You don't want to, you don't want to be static, even though it's comfortable. Um, once you get things wrong, you're like, Oh, this is, this is good. Like I'm super organized now, blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, but right. What's happening behind the scenes. What are you missing? Is like, it actually not, that if good? Not yeah. the numbers, if the numbers are up and you still feel like that, then something's going to mess up sooner or later. You're going to hit that scale mark where things just, you know, they just break down to be a clusterfuck. Like, right. 100%. Yeah. There's a, a book I'm, I'm reading right now. It's uh, it's called killing comfort. And the whole idea is like just okay. getting, <laughs> getting out. Yeah. Getting out of your, your comfort zone and, and basically just like trying harder. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. And like, I think it's one of the things where it's like, you know, go home and watch Netflix or read a book, you know, have a tough conversation or stay silent and, and like things like that. And like, pushing yourself to like be out of that. You're like, all right, well, my, my revenue this month is 20 grand. Great. Or how do we get to be 25? How do we get to be 30 grand? And I think that's like a big thing where I think a lot of small businesses are like, all right, well, I can do this. I can pay my bills. I keep my, I can pay the, you know, I can pay rent. And it's like, great. But then like you, you, you get to that plateau, you get to that static point, And then, you know, if your business isn't moving forward or isn't growing, is it still, moving forward. Is that, you know, is it, is that a healthy business? No, I agree completely. I mean, you gotta, you always gotta be moving forward and thinking of new, new things and new ways. You can't, I don't think anybody goes into owning their own business and taking that much of a risk where like, you're the one that uh, determines if you get paid or not and pay your bills. Um, if you don't have higher expectations than like the average nine to fiver, I mean, you don't, you don't do what you do, um, to be mediocre. You know, you, you have, like desires or dreams or goals that are way beyond what, you know, a quote unquote common person thinks. Right. And I think that's like the difference between, between having a business and having a job. I oh, think yeah. one of my, one of my mentors, he uses the, uh, the hit by a bus test. And basically it goes, if you got hit by a bus tomorrow and couldn't do your job, would your business continue to operate as such? Oh man. Unfortunately, I think it would. <laughs> which which means you have a business and and which is a good thing right because if you if you if you if the business were to you know cease operations then you know you would fail that would be what's considered a job mm-hmm. whereas yeah, like it's very cut and dry well put trying you know trying to you know run something or create something that's bigger than yourself versus just like you within this one entity right so I totally agree. yeah uh what's uh 
what are some things you you've done to improve your business education over the years? Uh, speak to people that are in successful places or, or, uh, or places in their life where I'm striving to be. Um, I, I constantly surround myself by people that are way more successful than me. Um, I think that's the only way that's the, that's the way I learn best, to be honest. It's hard for me to pick up a book, read a bunch of words and then apply that to real life more times than not, uh, if I'm being completely honest. But if I'm spending time and talking one-on-one with somebody about business or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I, I learn better in that format. I don't know. I'm just able to absorb that information better and apply it to my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. Um, I definitely, it's one of those things I, I struggle with, like reading books, audio books, trying to like find a way. Cause there's like an expectation as like a business owner that you're supposed to be consuming all this material all the time. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I try, <laughs> I try, but like, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Do you have any, uh, anyone in particular that you would like to shout out? mentors or oh yeah absolutely like honestly like my whole team um that i mentioned some of them we have a couple other investors as well um my best friend's dad i've known this i've known him since i was in sixth grade his dad was always asking um to invest in the company i just never felt comfortable taking money from somebody unless i was super confident in the business when i finally did he came on board um i think two summers ago uh so shout out chuck waddell very successful cfo um he's uh He's the guy. He's the, he's the, he's the, he's the, the business uh, brains, uh, financial guy. Um, so I've learned a ton from him. Okay. Uh, I, when I bounce ideas off of him, uh, more times than not, we're on the same page. So I'm confident. It gives me more confidence to just, you know, go off my instinct on things, uh, making decisions or ideas that I have aren't stupid, even though I might think they are. Or, um, you know, I, it's just good to get that vote of confidence with somebody you look up to a, as, a, uh, as a successful person. Right. And like I mentioned, uh, the, 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 our first investors that came on, uh, Lance and Patrick, I mean, I, before COVID hit, I was having, we were doing, uh, we were doing lunch or breakfast, uh, once a week just to talk shop with, uh, me and Lance would go out and do that. And, uh, yeah, I just, I learned a lot from him to be honest. He's been, he's been doing, um, he's been running a business longer than I have by a couple of years. Um, so he's got a lot of knowledge and experience on that front as well. So he's, uh, been an invaluable resource for me as well. Nice. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where we don't, I don't know what, you know, your educational background was in school and everything, but you don't really get this in school. You don't get how to, you know, run, run a business, you know, in school and, and, uh, and then you get out into the real world and then you're like, you know, you want to make a a life for yourself or your family and, and, you know, you got bills to pay and all this stuff and you want to live a certain way. And it's like, well, how do you make this happen? And, uh, you know, it's, it's getting out there and like, you know, like we were saying, like creating those relationships and, and learning from people, I think definitely, definitely plays a tremendous role in like how to like, how we just, you know, get that experience and grow and learn how to do these things. Yeah. Well, like my, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, your network is your net worth. Um, so that's, I heard that years ago and I was like, <laughs> that just smacked me in the face, yelled in my face, whatever you want to call it stood out and it's something I just, it, it's a hundred percent true. It was, it's funny, you know, before we went on air, I was telling you about the virtual seminar that I just finished. Uh, and, and one of the, one of the sections that we were going through was about community marketing. And one, at one point, the guy who was doing the, the seminar was saying like, he's like, at one point, he's like, I just made a list of everybody I know in the city 
and he was in Charleston. So I made a, I made a list of everybody I know in Charleston and just like figured out like what my connection was to them, who were they connected to, and just had this whole web of just like people. You don't realize like how many people you actually know. You just I, gotta ask, you know, if you, if you ask around, you, it means someone's gonna know somebody. Right, exactly. Within two, within two people in this area, especially. I just, cause like after that, I like, I just like wrote down like on my computer. I was like, all right, who do I know? I like have a file now on my computer, people I know. Mm-hmm. And I just like list it. I was like, and I just came down. I just like jot it down. Just even like real quick. I just jot it down like 50 names. And I was like, oh wow. I know a lot of people. Yeah, a ton. And, and I mean, people I, actually I, pass you on to somebody else. They know that could help you more than they can, you know, it's just like, right. that network continue to grow just off that one, that one person could have like another dozen people that could help you out at some point um, down the line or in the media. It depends on where you are. You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now since COVID's happened, what's, what's been going on at Mighty Meals? We completely had to pivot our model. Like, yeah, we, we, we were, we're more of a, a, uh, a pickup location based business. And by that, I mean, people would go online and order meals and they have the option to get meals delivered to their home or they can go pick it up at a pickup location, a place that we're, uh, we're partnered with. So, um, I'll use like our, our first pickup location partnership, for example, was uh, Pacers running stores. Um, we set up a partnership with them where we would put in a, uh, a, ref- a branded mighty meals refrigerator and we would deliver meals to that location. Um, based on, you know, people would order pickup location, drop down menu. Oh, I'll go pick them up Pacers and Clarendon. Choose that as a location. They order it. And then they're there on Sunday morning uh, to go pick it up right when they're uh, opened up. There you go. Yeah. So we had to, so that was our, our initial, um, that was pre COVID pre COVID. Yeah. And then once, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So once they started, you know, shutting everything down, we were still in business cause thank God we were an essential business. People got to eat. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that's, we were very lucky and blessed to be in that position to still serve this entire area in an actual time of need, not just because it's a convenient thing or, you know, they're, they're doing it for, you know, appearance reasons, right. Was whatever. Um, people just didn't want to leave their homes. So we decided to get rid of all pickup locations for the time being, just took that option off and just did all home deliveries. And we actually grew our business um, quite significantly over that time. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it was a difficult thing to do at first. Um, it, it took a lot of uh, planning. I had to get, buy another uh, refrigerated van. Um, that was an expense. Um, we had to do some upgrades to the website. You know, I had to do some, some pretty heavy lifts here on, on, the, on the site that took some time and, and, or more money. So it was a risk doing it. But I mean, geez, I mean, you just, you just realize people are going to need our, our service. Yeah. So it's got to work, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, People got to eat. Exactly. And, you know, luckily we've always preached this like in our blogs and our content, our food safety. Like we've been saying this before. It was like, you know, COVID cool to like be like, oh, we, we go the extra mile to like make sure your food is safe. Like we've always talked about that because we know our biggest competitor in the area, they cook at multiple restaurants um, by other staff and you're getting a smorgasbord of like different the same meal, but made differently. And you, right. I just know their model. I'm like, that's not safe. You can't transport food from a, a restaurant to like a, uh, like a warehouse or like a, a, a place where they all, all the meals are delivered to. And then they repackage them and then send them back out. It's like, 
it's, it's too much time not refrigerated, too much time like out in open air. Like it's just too many, too many opportunities for food to go bad and for someone to get sick. So it wasn't, we didn't have to change many systems in our kitchen, for example, like where all the foods made because we've already taken these measures and we made it a, a marketing point to let our, our potential customer and our current customers to know your food is safe. Like when you get food from us, you can trust us. We're going to give right. you the highest quality food that you can get in a meal prep service, period. You, you guys already had those precautions in place. Right. The only thing we, had, the only thing we did, we, we took extra precaution and uh, we had got the face shields with the face mask. Like we, 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 we definitely overdid on that um, to make sure, you know, nothing, nothing bad happened. We didn't have an outbreak or anything. Right, right, right. So, so that was about the only thing we did. We added more hand sanitizing stations. I think we bought like 10 of them and put them all around the place. Um, I know um, Stefano and Pablo had to uh, organize the breaks for um, staff. We had to break it up into smaller groups. Instead of having, you know, 30 people take a break and socialize for 30 minutes, right. it was, all right, you five or 10 people go out in the lobby, you know, do what you got to do, go outside, whatever you, whatever you need to do. And then we'd have a different shift come in and do it. So people weren't in too much close contact together. Right. So again, just little things, not, nothing big there. But the big one was not doing pickup locations um, until everything is opened up fully. You know, there's a vaccine, something where people feel safe to go back to these gyms and stores. Um, in the meantime, people just love that convenience of having dropped off at their door twice a week. Well, that was my, that was my next question is, you said since pivoting to the home delivery business grew, are you going to keep the, the home delivery in the, for the future? Or, or is this going to be, will you shift back to? Well, we've always done home delivery. It oh, just, already... Yeah, we just had two options. You could pick up or home delivery. Uh, okay, um, gotcha. So that's, I mean, we got to see what happens. I mean, we already had two or three pickup locations that are out of business now. Oh, wow. So, you know, it sucks to get those emails from these owners, especially when you've known them for, you know, five years. Um, it, it, it's just an unfortunate, you know, thing that happened. And, um, you know, until there's a vaccine, we're, we're probably going to stick to this, this model. I mean, nothing's a hundred percent. Like we're constantly, you know, come up with new ideas or different options, uh, things we, we talk about on, on a regular basis, just to kind of get a, a, some kind of game plan looking forward. Got it. Yeah. That, so they don't have you, uh, out there driving the van, do they? Thank God. No, used to, we all used to do everything from start to finish. Man, oh, man of many hats. Oh, geez. No more hats anymore. <laughs> no more hats anymore. Um, so, so you think right now, you, you know, we're kind of in, you're kind of in a bit of a holding pattern before you are ready to start delivering meals into gyms again. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Just, there's, a lot, there's, there's just too much going on that we got to kind of weigh out and we can't, it would be very hard for us because we had, I think 70 pickup locations. So, and it's all in, you know, Northern Virginia, DC, and in Maryland. And all three of those places have different, you know, state or city ordinances and rules to follow. And uh, it's just, it, it, it's got to be an all, all or nothing kind of thing, unfortunately. Because I know some gym owners have reached out and they're like, hey, we get, you know, we're back to like 50 or 60%, you know, membership back. I think they would like to have their, their meals delivered again. I'm like, I mean, that's great. I, I hope they were all like that. But it, it's, we're not in a place right now where that would be successful for us. And we can't go against what's working now. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, it's our business. We have to do what's best for us. 
Um, but we're still, you know, we're still in touch with all our partners and, um, you know, keeping them in the loop. We probably should do that a little bit more to be honest on my <laughs> end. Um, but we, we give them up, we give them updates when, when something new pops up. Uh, so I was just yeah. going to say, how do you, how do you work on maintaining those relationships now? It's very difficult to be completely honest. You know, um, we, we always try to offer uh, in the gym aspect of things, a lot of, a lot of gyms, uh, CrossFit gyms, et cetera, stuff like that. They, they like to, they do these challenges throughout the year. So that, that's always an opportunity because they know we'll do some kind of special for the people that sign up um, that they can use our service to kind of add a little more value to whatever package they're selling or whatever challenge they're trying to push. We'll do prizes um, to people that win these challenges. Um, that, that's always something that people like to do. Um, but that opens up the door for that communication again. You, and then you try to engage in that conversation a little bit more, you know, during that week while you, you know, uh, work things out, the details of what you're going to be partnering on and promoing with them. Right. Um, so that's, that's usually how those conversations and keeping up um, work, uh, depending on the size of the company. Like we're partnered with uh, Vita Fitness here in D.C. and now in Boston, too. And, um, you know, I have a good relationship with uh, Sarah and Allison that work there. They do like all the marketing stuff and promos. And uh, we're always like a, a sponsor at their their uh, their Thrive 5K race. Yeah. So actually, I just got the phone with them yesterday talking about they're doing a virtual 5K this year. So we're talking about different promo that we can do with them, um, you know, to kind of help push this. You know, I mean, this year is just completely different. You know, it's just so oh, yeah. I think it's we can all help one another here. Yeah, with different ideas because this is this is foreign to everybody. No one knows what works, what doesn't work. It just it's one of those things where you just have a discussion with two or three people. If y'all think it's a good idea, it's like, well, let's run with it. It's got to work, right? <laughs> We're pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's pretty special to see like the the fitness community come together. I think like that, and and like figure out ways to to make it to make it work. Whether it's yeah, it's things like that, or or you know, just how to keep the doors open a little bit longer. <laughs> well, I mean, I think especially in the fitness community, it's always been um, you know a lot of whispering on people's backs like oh that, that person's bad or they don't do that well like you should train with me like a lot of this competition that was unnecessary and I think now people have finally taken you know the community over competition thing and yeah. are taking it to heart because they have to it's, it's, it's survival now <laughs> like you can't you can't just do it yourself you know you need to have different connections and people and you need to start working together I mean it doesn't have to be like that you got to be confident enough in your ability um, or your services or goods that you sell as a company or individual to realize I offer something that nobody else can. However, I can still partner up with this person that does the same thing as me and maybe pull some ideas from them or partner up on something where we both get a win. You know, yeah. I'd rather win with one other person than have eight other people winning and I'm not, you know, exactly. so, mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the big thing. I think you're seeing a lot more growth mindset than the scarcity mindset these days. I think people are like, Hey, like there are a whole bunch of people out here that either need to, you know, train or, or eat better or whatever it might be, or in my case have, have pain and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can all help them. You know, there is, there is a, uh, a study done, uh, about a thousand, a uh, thousand people with lower back pain and they all went to go see their primary care physician and guess what percentage got referred to physical therapy off of that? No idea. 7%. Oh, geez. 
Seven percent. So that seven percent are people. Oh, going, yeah, yeah. Perhaps the whole doctor uh, physical therapist thing. So seven yeah. <laughs> percent. So seven percent are getting referred to physical therapy off the bat. There, it means there's ninety three percent of the other people out there with lower back pain who are just kind of like twirling in the air with no idea what to do. They got sent to an orthopedist, or they gave, you know, like, like cortisone shot. <laughs> they get some, yeah, cortisone shot, some BS, you know, sheet of exercises, or told to rest, and they're out there with no idea what to do. So for me and other physical therapists in, in the district, it's like, well, we don't need to fight over the seven. Like, let the you know physician-owned practices and the corporate chains handle those seven percent. We'll get, we'll take the ninety-three, and right. there's more than enough for all of us to, you know, help. You know, we can help a ton of people and be able to, you know, run a successful business. Yeah, and being a, and being a smaller business and like this, the big companies that you're talking about, you know, you're you're going to make more off that because you have less overhead you don't have as much marketing dollars. You don't have like probably a huge facility that costs you ridiculous amount per square foot. So you don't need to make as much as them either, you know, exactly. to make your profit, your profit. You can have the same ROI percentage base. But you're going to be walking out with, with more money at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Where, where do you think the fitness industry is headed now with, with everything? Where, where do you see it going? Probably the smaller group training. Smaller group training. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I, 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 I mean, I go to the gym every day. Um, I go to, I go to a, a, a big gym and it's nowhere near what it used to be in terms of, uh, people working out. Right. Still yeah. You know? I think you're starting to see like this rise of like the fitness entrepreneur where my brother's one of them. There you go. He's a trainer for years. He was trying to be like his big brother, like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know, when the gym shut down, he had, a, he had a pivot, he had to do something, you know? Yeah. So he took his clients and trained outside. Now there he's go. not going back cause he's making way too much money. And that's the thing. He's liking it better. He's his own boss. I mean, I've never heard him so happy to say he's worked 30 days in a row. He was like proud of that. I'm like, ah, welcome to the club, bud. And he didn't have to give a dime to the gym either. Nope. Not exactly. Yeah. I think people are realizing they don't have to like get tied to orange theory or, or mm -hmm. golds or, you know, any, especially these larger corporate um, gyms and, mm -hmm. and they can go out and make money and people are investing in them. You know, I think people, people pay for, coaches not necessarily coaching right and and i think uh it's one of those things where yeah the people are like yeah like where, where are you going to be let's go well i'll we'll go outside or wherever like i know for for me it was shifting everybody to virtual sessions when the, when uh the gym closed and everyone kind of shut down it was like hey we're going to go virtual and that's what's going to be and like all right great let's do it yeah it's very popular that's, that's all over the place i think every trainer is doing something virtually uh, at least a little bit. They're at least getting their feet wet in that. And I think that's good because it's only going to help as time goes on. It's going to open up more revenue streams as well. People can say, oh, well, maybe I don't need to train 10 hours a day. Maybe I can train four and then I'd have virtual clients and go, that's where you go with your more volume. So you're actually working less hours, making, you know, a lot more money. So it's just yeah. working smarter. You know? that, that was what happened with me was in April versus like January, February, March, and then in April, it's like my treatment hours got cut in half. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the, the revenue stayed, it dropped, it dropped a little bit, but it, you know, it stayed pretty consistent. And like, it was like my revenue per hour is like, phew. I yeah. was like, oh, well, there might be something to this. Yeah. When you, when you break it down like that, you're like, well, I'm making twice as much per hour. I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I guess, yeah. I guess. And still helping people. I'm like, I guess yeah. this is, I guess this is all right. It's a win-win across the board. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So we got a couple more minutes here. I got a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, what is one business piece of business advice you'd give to someone who's looking to make that jump? 
outwork and outlast everybody. That's it. Outwork and outlast. I like it. More people will quit at the sight of hard work than not. And there if you, you go. Us, like, I can't even tell you how many times, like the three of us getting started wanted to quit. I literally had a reminder every like Friday at 5 PM for like once a month. Do I want to, do I want to do this rest of my life? Do I want to quit? And just before those days would pop up, there'd be like one win that week that stayed fresh in your mind. And you're like, dude, come on, suck it up. Let's go. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always, and I, I used to always tell when I was managing the gyms, I was always telling like the trainers I would hire, Hey, if you just outlast, these people are not going to, they're going to, they're not going to want to work more than four hours a day. I promise you. Cause being four hours on your feet, entirely engaged with one person watching them is exhausting mentally and physically. It really is quit because they're not making enough money and they're not willing to work to make a full-time wage. So if you can just learn outlast outwork, you will win and you you'll get their four clients when they leave, you'll get, you know, the other trainer over there when they leave, you'll get their six clients before you know it. You're like, shit, I'm working like 60 training hours a week. Like then you start making an actual career out of it. Yeah. And then you're winning. Then you raise your rates. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So staying on that topic though, uh, give me one win from the last, uh, last seven days. Oof. Seven days. In the last week. Put me on spot here. One one win. win. Oh, no brainer. We had our biggest week ever last week. So there, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. Uh, well, Dan, thanks for coming on the show, man. And uh, we'll definitely go. I'm definitely going to have to try Mighty Meals. I haven't had Mighty Meals yet. I know. I'm so going to hook you up with that, man. I'm, I'm definitely going gonna... to send you a bag this weekend. How's that? Oh, that would be amazing. And uh, if people want to connect with you, connect with Mighty Meals, uh, how do they do that? EatMightyMeals.com is our website if you can order food. And then if you want to hit us up on social media, it's at EatMightyMeals. Um, that's the easiest way to kind of get a hold of us and check out what we got going on uh, in terms of like, all our, our community stuff that we, we do with, uh, with our community, um, all our menu items, any news, anything important is on there. And now you're back training people too, correct? I am. I am. I'm doing, uh, I got three clients. That's all I can really handle, I think, is you okay. know, three or four clients. And uh, I'm, I'm actually training, talking of like pivoting a couple like, you know, segments ago, I guess. Um, Sweat DC here in, uh, in Northwest. Um, they were a, a group training facility, but now you can only have based on their square footage, five trainees and one trainer, they kind of had to change their entire model. So they're doing all the boot camps down the street, um, at hook hall because okay. it's outside, it's partially covered. So if it rains, you know, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And it's socially distant. So, uh, coach G shout out to him, owner of sweat DC. He, he does all the group classes, big groups over there. Um, so everybody's safe and still getting their workouts in. And then they, they pivoted and doing like the small group stuff with five people in a trainer, um, strength and conditioning, uh, program. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I had, I had heard that. So are you, so are you doing those, the strength conditioning programming in there? Yes. Doing gotcha. personal training there and I'll probably start a, a one or two groups, uh, maybe starting next week or the week after. So you are taking new clients. Yes. Very few if you're lucky. And if people, if people want to want to train with you, if they're lucky enough to be blessed. <laughs> they can uh, they can find me on uh, IG uh, at D Danny Donuts. D Danny Donuts. Love the donuts. How man. you doing? How you been? <laughs> 
Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. Do you have a favorite donut? Or is that just... Oh, God. I'll tell you what. I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Curiosity Donuts. It's okay. a, they had a little pop-up donut shop in the, the Tyson's Whole Food. Well, I, used, I used to live there, so I, I was very familiar with that spot every Sunday. That was my pre-leg day uh, workout snack. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Curio- I've never heard of Curiosity Donuts. I'm going to have to... Let's be honest. There's, there's no such thing as a bad donut. It's just how... I mean, it's true. It's true. I just had some apple cider donuts from the Apple House out in uh, like Luray or Lind- Linden. Out in I've Linden. actually been there before. It's, it's amazing. They're great pies. Yes. My, my favorite donuts though, have you ever been to Ocean City or Dewey or Rehoboth, that whole area out there? Yeah. Um, fractured Prune. Yes. I had that in Rehoboth. Yeah. Amazing. That's my donut place. There you go. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm going to have to have you back on so we can talk more about donuts next time. Let's do a food but, segment. I'm bad exa- food, not just healthy food. <laughs> exactly. Strength coaches talking donuts. There Love it. All right, Dan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.